Welcome to the Anchored Voice. This is a podcast helping men to anchor life. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Tu. Welcome to the program. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Anchored Voice podcast, helping men to anchor life. I'm your host, Dr. Phil, too, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. We took a little break. Uh, we've been, we had season one, 22 episodes, and we are back with another episode of the Anchored Voice. So we're so happy that you are here. Uh, if you're logged on right now, we'd love for you to go to our YouTube page, uh, and that is McGuire ENTV. McGuire ENTV. We'd love for you to go subscribe to our YouTube page. Um, we'd like you to do that right now. So let me make sure that we put that in the description. McGuire ENTV. We'd love for you to subscribe there uh, to our YouTube page as well. And uh, you can like our page on Facebook, McGuire Entertainment Group. This is a McGuire Entertainment Group production, uh, The Anchored Voice, Helping Men to Anchor Life. And this podcast is sponsored by Chaplain Adrian Benton, uh, a greater force, greater than failure. We want you to go out and get that Kindle uh, purchase right now for $2.99. We want you to get that book. Uh, a greater force than failure. So check out that book on Amazon. On Amazon right now, it is on the bestseller list. So check it out. Uh, greater force than failure. All right. So this subject today, today is about fatherhood. It is about fatherhood. Uh, it's called Life After Death. No, this is not a biggie song. No, this is not the Notorious B.I.G. song, but we are talking about life after death. Uh, my last podcast was right before my father passed away. And, um, I've, and since then, I've spoken to so many uh, men who have lost their dads. Uh, the impact. I just saw a, a post from one of our gospel artists that... Uh, lost his dad and talked about reconciliation with his dad. Well, I have two guests uh, with me today uh, that has lost their dads as well through time. And we realize that nobody really gets over it. We all just get through it. We don't get over it. We get through it. And it's been a significant impact to lose a father, to lose somebody uh, that was the head of the household and, you know, even as an adult, adult man. So we're going to talk about uh, some of these things. I'm going to bring on uh, one of my guests right now and Pastor Orville Reset. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, Dr. Phil, too? I just, I'm just sitting here thinking about that thing, Dr. Phil, too. I'm like, this guy, man. He's just finding a way to get that brand to expand across the nation. Like he's got the whole Dr. Phil going <laughs> on. Man. I was just sitting here thinking about that thing, man. What's up? What's yeah, up? Yeah, man. Listen, you know, 
it's either either I'm Pastor Phil or it's Doctor Phil, but it oh, is what it is. Man. man, I hear you. I hear you. Man, good to have you on, bro. Good to be on. Good to be on. Thanks All for right. having me. We um we have another guest that is gonna come on in just a second. Uh, you just give me the thumbs up, Joel, and I'll bring you right on. Uh, we want to make sure his sound is is there. He's ready. Okay. All right. All right. Everybody is here. Joel, what's up, bro? Yeah. Like I said, I'm sorry, Pastor. I was oh, shoveling. She had me shoveling. Then I had a session. No, it's all good, man. We we're we're live here, and we're uh you know we're just talking about the subject life after death. Um, this is a subject that's important because. Mm -hmm. Um, as men, you know, having fathers in the house and having a father around and then losing a father is, is very traumatic. You know, it brings us to different, um, places in our life, but we have also learned how to cope with, um, those things. We have learned how to deal with it and, and to just get through it. And so, you know, we're, we're constantly now I will play a video and just letting you know now pl I'll play a sound bit from uh, Nerva Altino later on. He um, also has a tribute to his dad and talked about him dealing with the loss of his father. But we, we have seen just way too often where, um, you know, that has really uh, impacted a lot of people's lives and. So let me start with uh, Joel. Joel, tell me about and, and listen, feel free. You want to give a tribute to your father. You want to talk about him for a little bit. It's fine. Um, tell me what you've been going through, what you've been dealing with, how you've been coping and, um, you know, just going through this time. All right. So, thank you. well, I'm sorry. Let me set them up. Your dad died uh, to COVID. Yeah. To COVID, so we want to put that in that context. Uh, we we all have we have, we have like three different stories on this, but uh, just want to make the context. Go ahead. Um, yeah, my dad, he uh, he wasn't feeling well last Friday in March, so he went into the hospital. Um, and me and my mom were in the hospital Friday night. We went back home, and then he was there. Um, he had a headache, and it was bothering him. And then they tested him for COVID because he was at the hospital and they found out he had it. And then he would text and call us and tell us that uh, he had trouble breathing and going to sleep. Some days were better than others. And then it got really, too, it got too bad where they put him in an induced coma and he never got back up. And he died May 1st, which is a Friday. So he went on a Friday and died on a Friday around 7.30. So I remember that. That was um uh, almost, it was over seven months ago. Uh, just looking on the date of the calendar right now, I'm like, oh boy, it's going to be an interesting four days because my parents' anniversary is in four days. Wow. Oh boy. That should be interesting. Um, so it's been rough for all of us. Uh, if uh, My room is an example of that. Uh, my mom, she renovated the whole house. Every part of this house has been touched. So my room was one of the first projects. It used to be orange, but now it's blue. Um, um, it was a rough transition because, you know, the house is being torn up and everybody's in their feelings. Um, my dad, he's in, he's in very too far away from us. He's buried in Canarsie. I'm in Brooklyn. And I remember one point Brooklyn was the epicenter 
of the whole pandemic. That's right. So it was really rough. You know, my mom was afraid. We couldn't leave the house. Um, I was just moping around. I didn't cry. I didn't cry when the day she told me. I didn't cry at the funeral. I had to sing at the funeral. Because my mom, you know, Pastor Wesley knows my mom and my sisters, even my brother, they all could sing. But she was like, you're the only one who could who do this. And I'm like, I'm the worst singer out of a bunch of us. But they let me sing. Um, so that happened. I was in, uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. But I was like, all right. I decided in the month of June that I was doing a devotional thought series on Instagram and Facebook. You know, minute clip videos where I talked about things like theology and culture and, and history. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to re- um, reformat my devotional thought series and do life lessons for my dad. So I would, I would give like little stories for my dad and put a spiritual um, angle to it. And people have um, been receptive to it. Some of those things are kind of hard. I, always, I don't always point myself in the best light. I feel like I'm self-snitching. But um, I've got a good response from it. Um, after he died, I said to myself that, you know, I had all this potential and Pastor Wesley could attest because we've talked about this and I would let fear hold me back. Like everybody knew I was so talented and skilled, but I would let myself hold myself back and be hard on myself. I was like, you know what? My dad's gone. I don't have that safety net anymore. So I'm going to push myself. So um, since July, I've been very consistent in everything that I've done, whether it's been having devotion every day or practicing guitar every day or working out every day or just making sure I do my schoolwork. I'm like, I'm not going to sleep until I get everything done. Mm-hmm. So even though my dad isn't here to see it, that uh, that fire is still there. Wow. It's, uh, consuming. Um, and, mm-hmm. I know I, go, I try to go see someone for sessions. That hasn't happened yet. I think mm-hmm. uh, private sessions and even group sessions with my family should actually be something that happened. But it's been a, this has been a trying couple of months. So it hasn't been easy um, for yeah. anyone. Um, being the only man in the house and um, just seeing how the dynamic shift because my dad would take care of so much stuff and now he's not here. So I would have to do certain things that he would typically do. So, Yeah, man, it, it's, it's caused you to step up a little. However, you know, nonetheless, you've been a strong force for your family. And so the background that you have there right now is a testimony to how you have been coping. Because I've been watching your Instagram videos. Uh, you've brought in several artists to sing. You've played, you know, uh, do you play a, a variety of the, the guitars and the bass? Or is it just you play one thing and they sing to it? I've been doing acoustic covers mainly uh, with other people. So I just did my 36th one. Uh, for, I started in July, so it hasn't been 36 people, but it has been over 36 sessions. Uh, that's been successful because um, there's a lot, Pastor Wesley couldn't test, there's a lot of talent in the SDA community, especially here in New York. And since I'm uh, connected to a lot of those people, I'm like, hey, I'm leaving New York to go back to Andrews. Why don't we link up and do something before I leave? So. That's what's up, man. And, and I'm proud of you, man. You, you're going back to school. Uh, you have been constantly developing yourself through the years, even before your father passed. You have been uh, conscious about working on yourself and pouring into yourself. And I can just see God moving in you and 
moving you to different places. So let me just say I'm proud of you, man. And and I know that, you know, uh, there's more success to come out of your life. Let me just talk with Pastor Brissett, uh, Orville Brissett. Welcome, man. And, and, you know, you dealt with your loss a few years ago. I remember uh, when you announced that your father passed away. Tell us about that experience. Um, well, thanks. Thanks, Phil, man. Um, and my condolences to you, Joel, and the loss of your father. Um, certainly are praying and um, supporting you and your family. Um, my father uh, passed away um, April 14th. 2017, um, after a seven year battle with a number of things, um, around 2010 started to notice some signs of, of, uh, Parkinson's starting to set in, um, in, in connection with dementia, like it was all happening around the same time. And, um, so it was a seven year journey of taking care of him. Um, at his, at the home, not not putting him in a, a long term care facility, but having him at the house. A mom really, really, um, you know, stretched herself with her own pre existing conditions. Was stretched herself. And we were blessed um, that even though I was far away, my brother was far away. We were blessed to be able to maintain everybody's household and still take you know have a nurse take care of dad. Um, it was actually a stroke that um, that killed my father. And um, I'll never forget the um, the Wednesday. I just literally walked in the door from doing prayer meeting, and I got a text message saying um, from my mom saying the hospital is saying that if you know if we want to see Dad, we need to come now. And at that time, I was living in Cincinnati. It's about a five six hour ride. Um, and I remember at the, t- at the time, my youngest was. He was about 10. I just remember throwing a bag in the car, putting him in, telling the school he's not going to be there and going to Atlanta, driving, driving, driving and getting there and seeing my dad in that bed. Fast forward, the doctor was like, you know, any day now. And what's so amazing was my dad lasted. That was March 30th. My dad lasted till April 14th. Uh, He had not had food or water since they gave him ice chips March 30th. 31st, I believe it was. He had food or water. Doctor couldn't believe how he lasted that long. Um, and as a pastor, you know, Dr. Phil, you know, and I work in a vocation like you where we bury people's loved ones all the time. Yeah. Um, and I got into a place, honestly, where I was really running as a robot through those um, funerals. I mean, some hit, you know, some, some hit more intimately than others, but for the most part, it was just, it was going on automatic, right? And man, when my dad died, um, you know, I, I, I can be honest and say that it left, I mean, it really is one thing when you're doing other people's loved ones' funerals, another thing to see your father um, in the box, in the casket. Um, you know, for me, my dad, I, I honestly thought, that he was going to beat it. Like I honestly, you know, the time when, you know, we knew dementia would be its thing and the Parkinson's, but I, I just, I didn't, I didn't think the stroke was going to be, you know, what, what did it. And, um, you know, that thing, it, it left a hole. It left a hole. I, I withdrew from my doctoral program. I put it down for a while. 
Uh, it was just tough readjusting to life without my dad. Um, so I got the picture behind me. My dad was uh, more than he was my father first. I really hurt for my mom because it was just short of their 49th wedding anniversary. I really hurt for my mom. It was it meant she was going to be alone. Um, you know, and she had been married to him longer than she was single as a single adult, you know. Um, and so um, I really hurt for her. It was, you know, I was losing my father. But at the same time, you know, my children were losing their grandfather. My brother was losing his father. You know, it was it was a lot. And it was and, and my dad was that steady voice behind my my ministry like he I talked to him about things and Phil you know your dad and my dad were friends um right. and so um my dad was who I talked to as a matter of fact uh my dad was who I talked to the morning before a difficult funeral at the church and um you know I find myself almost four years later I find myself still about to you know, call his phone only to get halfway through and realize he's not, a, he's not around anymore. I uh, was just there in a few months ago, maybe a month or so ago. I was just, I was just in Atlanta at his grave to put the headstone on almost four years later, just really getting around. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was, it was tough. I mean, the lady was asking me the info for the headstone and it's like peeling a scab off of a wound that hasn't healed. Hmm. Um, and so, um, but, but what made it bearable, and, and I, I want to, you know, I don't know if he'll see this. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but I want to make sure I, I acknowledge him. What made it bearable was my childhood pastor showing up at the hospital and coming to our house and spending quality time. Um, Dr. Ron Smith, um, who uh, serves uh, an administrative level of the church. Um, he lived in Atlanta. He came by the house. He spent time. He was at the hospital. You know, he walked with me um and with my family and that was very important that was critically important um but it but then you have to do life afterwards and my dad was you know my dad was my dad and uh and so we we didn't have a strained relationship we had a great relationship mm-hmm. um and so it was it is i, I don't because there's no timetable for when grief expires it is tough yeah. Um, there are, you know, we're, we're getting ready to, uh, my daughter's getting ready to deliver any day now. And, you know, my father would not have been alive to see his great grandchild. Well, not, well, he is not alive, excuse me, to see his great grandchild. Uh, so it's a lot of things, right. Um, that are, that are still impacting me. And so I have been on a journey talking to somebody and it's, and, um, you know, like Joel said, I mean, I, it's definitely something that you got to do. Um, you got to, um, you got to be what you got to be ready for what comes next. And we're so used as clergy to bearing stuff inside and being silent sufferers. And I've watched it affect me personally. I watched it affect my my work. I've watched it affect my family just because, you know, um, and I'm saying this. Symbolically, not literally, because I have not lost my hope on my faith. I know my dad loved the Lord. I know that in the first resurrection, my father is going to wake up. Um but when my father died, a part of me died and I'm trying to get, I've been trying to get that back for, you know, for body for a couple of years now. Yeah. 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 I, and, um, and that is the, the coping of it. And I just spoke to another gentleman 
uh, who went through the same experience and, and shout out to him. I hope he gets on the podcast and, and, and watches and uh, my condolences to anybody who has lost their parent um, this year or years before. Uh, it's something that is a residual effect because there are things that you're used to doing with that person or used to hearing with that person. I was in a tool shop and I was like, man, which tool should I get? You know, and I found myself thinking, oh, I can't call him. Like, even if he didn't know which tool to get, even if he didn't know about it, you know, yeah. it was just the fact that I could still call. And he'd be like, and he'll pawn and be like, oh, let me think about that. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and we, we'll go through that back and forth, you know. And but, you know, those are things that you just carry with you for a long time. By the way, um, Pastor Paul said, move your head so I can see my godfather behind you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my, my father, uh, I was able to be with him, you know, to the very last day. And, um, of course I put on this podcast, this platform, uh, maybe a week before he passed away, I, I did a podcast in preparing for losing him. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, we've been in a vocation of, helping people grieve, helping people in their services. And we see how they break down and cry, especially when the casket is lowered. You know, we, we know that that dramatic moment uh, when it's it for them. But, you know, it's kind of like we, we feel we empathize. But then, you know, now when it happens and you're on that side of the grief, you really get to understand what people are going through, what grief really is. Um, you're, you're able to say, wow, you know what? I hear you. I understand what you're dealing with. And I'm talking about years later, somebody can still break down and cry just because shout out to, uh, Timothy Anderson. Also, he should be on this broadcast as well. Um, he's also sharing with us that he's lost his dad as well. So, you know, we'd love to hear from him. Timothy, if you, you just, just text me or something. But uh, we are in the midst of um, this pandemic where we're dealing with that type of grief. And and then we're also dealing with, you know, things that we have um, felt a long time ago. And so the power in grief, but also the power in coping. The reason why we're doing this podcast today was to help men anchor life through grief. Uh, help people with how we have coped, what we have done. And I think the greatest thing is keep, keeping memories, keeping memories alive, never letting go of those memories. Even if it makes you break down, even if it just causes you to pause, never letting go of those memories. Um, and then also to encourage men that have fathers right now in their life to mend whatever fences you have to with your dad, to um, really, you know, talk, have that conversation, have that real conversation. And also, if you are a father, to make sure that you are in your child's life and make sure that you are a stable force in your child's life. So it's uh, definitely, you know, something we want to help people through. Uh, as they listen and as they watch, we want people to really understand, hey, listen, grief is real. It is real. Uh, but 
there is a way, there is a path to get through this. You know, there is a way to deal with it and it takes time. And that's, that's the crazy thing. It takes time. So, you know, you have family members around you, you know, you have to go through life, you have to continue to anchor life, but at the same time, you have to, you know, do self-care as well. So those are the things I'm going to uh, bring on another another guest. Actually, it's through uh, way of a video. So I'm going to play uh, Nerva Altino. Now, the setup is he had COVID early on and then um, he went to the hospital. He was planning his funeral not to know that when he came out of the hospital, he would be planning his father's. So we're, we're going to listen to this video real quick. And uh, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I'm sorry I couldn't be with you all today live, but I am happy to contribute to Dr. Wesley's podcast on the topic of grieving and loss. My father died from COVID-19 this past March. And the grieving process has been one that uh took its toll on me, both psychologically and emotionally. I say psychologically because it, it reminded me that our lives can be taken away from us in an instant. My father was a healthy man, 82 years old, but he was a healthy man, was a vegan, worked out every day, a praying man, a kind man. So uh, that loss really shook me. Um, but what gives me peace is knowing that one day I will see him again. And my father's one of those people that I have no doubt in my mind will enter the kingdom. And knowing this, it gives me a sense of peace. The grieving process was, was pretty difficult for me and my family. You know, I've gone through phases of depression. I've gone through phases of anger. I've gone through phases of disappointment, hurt with God. Because I couldn't understand why my father had to go. And at this time. I felt that even though he was older, he had some life left to live. Um, I keep a picture of him on my desk and oftentimes I dream about him. And, you know, I think about all the memories, vacations we've gone to, on together, uh, family moments, all the good things in life, all the key moments in life. One of the regrets I have, my father played piano. I don't have a single video of him playing the piano, which is something that we took for granted. You know, something I would have loved to, to watch. But the grieving process has not been easy. Uh, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel hurt. It's part of it. Allow yourselves to have that because releasing that will allow you to heal. Uh, it's a pain that I, I'm going to carry for the rest of my life. You, you, you never really get over it, but you learn to live with it. So ask God for strength to get through it. And as you go on with your life, you will have the strength to carry on. And your family member, your deceased family member would want nothing more for you, but to be able to go on. They don't want you to live in depression and just feel sorry for yourself because they're gone. But knowing that I'll see my father again gives me solace and a sense of peace. And with that, um, although I, I'm still um, angry and disappointed that he's gone, I am learning to live with the pain, although it is not easy because his death is fresh in my mind. But 
you know, I've asked God for strength to learn to live with that pain. You will always have that void, but find peace within so that knowing that you will one day see a family member again. I pray that God blesses each and every one of you. All right. So that was uh, Nerv Altino tribute to his dad and, um, you know, what he went through, what he's going through. And, you know, it's just tough. It's just tough for everybody. Uh, Joel, how has, you know, you've been doing Instagram videos. Uh, actually, you need to tell people where they can uh, see your Instagram videos. Uh, so you could do that in a minute. Um, but tell us, how has that helped you cope with the loss? You, you've had different artists come through, sing. How has that uh, brought you through? So, uh, so I had a number of goals for myself for 2020. Actually, let's not even start there. So I came home in 2015, right, from Andrews. I was studying theology, and I didn't finish. And I felt like I was such a disappointment because I, I wasted my parents' money going to Andrews. And I was on academic probation, and I came back home, and all my friends are going to graduate. So I'm in my feelings, right? Pastor Wesley was my pastor at the time, and he died, right? And um, I became the music and uh, AY leader. I remember one time Pastor Wesley had to do a funeral, and I had to help him. He was interested, thinking about, talking about doing a funeral. I remember I did a funeral with you, Pastor Wesley, so many years ago. Uh, um, fast forward, 2017. Um, I was just so disappointed in myself. I was like, man, I have nothing to show for my life. I'm 24, and I'm like, man, I feel like such a failure. I wanted to run away from home. <laughs> and I actually, I, I, I did. Like, I actually spent the whole night on the street. But I was like, I didn't want to die. I just wanted to quit. Like, I didn't want to stay home. I was just disappointed with everything. And um, I remember that... Um, uh, my brother, he was also staying with us, and he had his own issues. And um, I remember I was like, oh, it isn't, I don't know. There was just a change in the end of 2017, and I decided to um, to grow up my hair. Like, I have all this hair now. And the reason why I have all this hair is, like, I decided to be like Samson. You know when Samson, you know, his hair got cut, and he's blind, and he's in prison, and he just wants to give up. And, like, this feels like prison for me right now. So I was like, you know what? Just like Samson, I'm just going to grow back my hair out and get back my strength. So 2018 comes, cool, I started a new school, I finally got a, my first degree. Um, fast forward to 2019, I told my dad this, I told him there's only one thing I want to accomplish for 2019, and that was to become more disciplined, right? Not to get any money, not to, to buy a bunch of stuff, just become more disciplined. That was the only goal I, the only goal I set for myself for 2019. And uh, for the most part, I got that because I know my father, he would encourage me. And like in the back of my head, I know he cares about me. He, he never said he loved me. Not not because he didn't, he didn't, but because that wasn't the way he showed it. Mm -hmm. My mom mm -hmm. would always want to say she loves us, but he would show it in his actions. And, um, and 2020, I was like, cool. I became more disciplined. Like I feel like, man, all the potential that everyone can see, and even in my father, my father, like I'm actualizing it. It's not just just there. And I'm like, all right, cool. 2020 hits. I'm like, I'm gonna push forward. I'm gonna graduate, get my degree, um, go to Andrews, go into the seminary, right? And I accomplish all those things, right? Uh, tomorrow's my last day. I turn an assignment. I'm done. 
Um, I got into Andrews. I got into the seminary. Cool. Like, I'm, I'm set. But then the year started, and I didn't have any, you know, my dad, he went to the hospital. He never came back home. And it was disappointing to, you know, to lose that safety in it. And I'm like, man, one of the biggest issues I had for myself was like, what does it mean to be a man? It's like you turn 18, you go off to college, you have all these experiences, and you're like, what does it mean to be a man? Like, that's why um, the life lessons videos I've been doing, there, um, there's, there hasn't been one general theme. I've just been doing different topics, but that has been what I've been trying to hit. What does it mean to be a man? Because, yeah, my father wasn't perfect. Like, nobody's, nobody's perfect. I think, not even, I know for a fact that, um, like, as men, we hide things emotionally. And mm -hmm. you know, my mom gets on my case about it. And I'm like, <laughs> she's like, why can't you open up? And I'm yeah. like, get it. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be That's strong? Right. What yeah. does it mean to be a provider and to, to be disciplined and self-assured? What does it mean to follow after God? Because my father, every, without fail, every day at 530, he was up having devotion. He used to, um, he used to show me. Um, he had a bunch of Bible apps and prayer apps on his phone. And he would say he would pray for us, all of us, and pray for the church people. And he was always doing things for other people. He was like, he'll take me, I'll show you. Where are they? Oh, they're outside. I could, they used to take me around, like, we would do things, like, go paint people's basements and put up things for them from the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, he was always helping people. He was teaching people how to drive. So yeah. he left a really good legacy. So I wanted to use Instagram, the platform, and by, pro by proxy Facebook um, yeah. to share, you know, the, the lessons I learned from my dad. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's like to use the platform to like, yo, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to seminary to eventually be like a youth pastor. I don't really care to preach, I'll be honest. Like, yeah. you'll never hear me talk for like 15, 20, 30, 50 minutes. That's not me. I like I like TED Talks. I like short, small, to the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's me. <laughs> you'll never hear me preach a 50-minute sermon, ever. If you do, it's not me. <laughs> I, and I'm like the opposite. My mother gets on me all the time. Yeah, uh, Orville, what do you want to say to that, man? Because uh, I, I saw you smiling on that. Man, so you know, um, what? So I'm, I'm part of the reason I was smiling because I'm looking at this, at this forum, and all of us, you know, in our New York roots, and uh, there's something that does tie us together. Um, and then from our cultural backgrounds, um, you know, West Indian, um, you know, our, our fathers have a different way of showing love, but, yeah. um, the example that they leave, the legacy they leave, mm -hmm. you know, like it leaves a, it leaves a huge mark. So, uh, just the other day, man, I was telling my mom, listen, in the binder, in the orange photo album, there's a picture of me, um, my dad is in the lawnmower and I'm right up underneath him holding the lawnmower. Can you find the picture? I want to be able to have the picture. Can you find this, that picture there? She's like, it's not in there. And I was literally getting upset with my mom. Like, where is the picture? Like, what do you mean? It's not in the album. And I'm going through this back and forth. So she sent me a few pictures um, so I could share with my kids um, just, you know, rehearsing uh, who my dad was. Um, I went back to the old house 
um, in New York, and man, the the outside banister is still the way he left it when he couldn't get it to blend with the new paint. Like it's still that way. Um, I mean. And and I pulled up in the driveway. The new owner is so gracious uh, that whenever I would stop by, she would let me just walk around the house. And um, you know, you look. I look around the house, and I I can rem- I have memories of things that happened. Oh yeah, that's when my my brother broke the window. Or oh, that's mm-hmm. when we put a hole in the door. Mm-hmm. Or oh, that's when we did. You know, and so yeah. yeah. Um, those things like the extension, you know, of course she's done a whole lot to the house now, but the little extension on the side, the driveway. Yeah. My dad put that in cause he wanted to be able to have extra space to, so that uh, he could put the car on the side and not block my mom in or so we could have room to play back. Like there's just so many things that, you know, I'm listening to Joel talk about his dad and, and uh, you know, my love for outreach actually is because of my dad. Um, and, and he used to do this thing every Friday night where he would take his little black book out and I and wasn't the cell phone guy. He had a little black book. And then it was the addresses and phone numbers of church members, man. He would just call mm-hmm. church members see how they're doing, those who maybe widowed or whatever, been sick, he's just calling them. Um, I'll never forget one Sabbath afternoon a long time ago. I, was, I, I had to be in about maybe six or seven. I couldn't go, but I just remember he was going to Ebbets Field in Brooklyn to do um, to witness and do outreach. And for anybody who's who's listening knows, like, I mean, back in the day, you didn't go to Ebbets Field in the daytime, much less the nighttime. And uh, my dad was going there, man, gung ho, just you know, seeing about people. There was actually a member who lived in one of the buildings, but man, he would take the time to speak to you know the brothers who hang outside and whatnot and yeah um he just had this way of helping people very discreetly i mean there's stories i could share with with you know today that people just don't know my dad did he would do it very discreetly but that's where my love outreach started seeing my dad do that man you know my dad was an early rise about business you know um he lived this motto you know, you get up early, you get, you're going to be the most productive. Like, I, I really don't know. It's, and it's, it's what's so crazy about losing him was up until the moment when the dimension, the Parkinson set in and that stroke, mm-hmm. like I'd never seen my dad sick. And so one of the things that really tore at me was, um, was, man, I never saw him sick. The frailty of life, things just happen so quick. So what I'm coping now is, um, I'm coping by, of course, living as an extension of his legacy. Um, but I'm also coping every time I look at one of my children, there's a picture. Uh, I don't have it with me. There's a picture of my dad, me and my brother and my youngest son at the table playing dominoes. That's three generations of us. And uh, he's you know, kind of teaching my, my youngest the fine points of the game. I think my oldest son was there, too. But it's three generations of us. And it's it's just it's it's something that um, as I look at my sons, I want to make sure that the type of impression my father left on me, I leave on them. Um, so I, I but but I've had challenges like Joel was talking about, you know, the challenges I've gone through moments of um, battling with my weight up and down. Um, might might have been depression, probably, um, you know, I have not 
been as committed to my, my keyboard is not up. Um, I'm not been committed to music as I want to be. Yeah. Um, um, and so uh, I think I think you know everybody's going to cope in their own different way. Absolutely. His uh, birthday was rough. November third passed, and uh, mm-hmm. it was like man, another another year without him. Um, you know, um, Thanksgiving was our come together, and so yeah. we haven't been together for Thanksgiving since he passed. And uh, of course, this past year, COVID really just um, just hurt. But I would say that. You know, the memories that that I've been able to hold on to, the memories that we've been able to share uh, every now and again, my brother will get on live and he'll do some type of tribute to my dad. And it it you know, it it really helps to encourage, uh, you know, everybody copes in different ways. Um, um, and so going forward now for me is OK, i um, going to finish that doctorate, um, going to get on a on a solid uh, weight loss yeah. regiment and exercise yeah. regiment. Um, <laughs> the things that I know he would be proud of are part of my personal mission, right? Yeah. So, that, so because I think we also have to remember not to get lost in trying to live, even in the loss of our parents, our father, not trying to live life the way they wanted us to live, but making sure we're living life the way God wants us to live. And so, um, because they happen to be aligned, is is you know uh, I'm I'm me- I'm meshing them together and trying to do the best to cope. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm being a little more transparent about this thing. Um, yeah. I think Phil, you said it. You know, it's easy to tuck stuff away, and um, I'm I mean I'm talking about it. I haven't talked about it publicly. This is the first time I ever talked about it this publicly. So. Man, you know, I really thank both of you for, and also Nerva, for this transparency. Um, I, I want to go back to, you know, how fathers, you know, of our father's generation showed affection didn't. You know, I mean, it was still weird giving him a hug even now. Like, you know, just like, hey, pops, you know. And But I, I made it. I made it an effort. Now, my cousin, Jimmy, he's like, listen, I'm going to tell Pops I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm going to say it, you know, and and I and, and he's gotten me motivated to do that. And I had to do that with my dad his last days. Like, hey, listen, I want to let you know I love you. OK, you know, and then you know, I let him know God loves him. And, and I had to tell him like, hey, man, even though, you know, you're going out. And he knew he was dying because he was sharp to the very end, dude. I mean, we got jokes for days, stuff he would do even when he couldn't move his body. Um, But, you know, I had to let him know, hey, God loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. It's not that he doesn't love you. This is, you know, this is it. But he he's still crazy about you. You know that, right? Had to keep reminding him, hey, I love you, love you, love you. Uh, but yeah, it, even till the last day, it was still strange because that's just not how we communicated love. You know, we communicated love at a baseball game, we communicated love when I brought the car home and needed fixing and he'd get under there, didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he'd do something, you know, we had a whole lot of two tone cars, you know, you know, the door would smash some way. And then, you know, he go get a, the same door, but it'd be a different color. Now you got to drive that car. 
<laughs> you got to drive that $500 car around the neighborhood with <laughs> with red, but the car is tan, right? You know, that, but you had to do oh, it. He was the one that knew how to put the door in. Uh, it, you know, I, I had two-tone doors. I had two-tone hoods. Um, he always had cars in the back. That was back in the day. You can get a car for like $500, right? He'd get these Subarus. He'd get these Buicks, right? And even had even got my first car for $500 and, and fixed it up. That's what he was doing. He was always tinkering with something in the, in the house or in the back. Um, that's just made them what they are. And, 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 you know, today we're a different breed, you know, it's like, uh, we have home warranty insurance now, like we, we call somebody for that stuff, you know, um, you know, <laughs> we might get out there and paint. We might, we might do a few things. You know, we got some brothers that we know that do house renovations. They renovated their house and things like that. But, you know, I'm more the techie, you know, you know, get this podcast going. And, you know, so we, we are, we are a different generation than our dads were, but what we learned from them was hard work. You know, we learned our mission. We learned our purpose because they were serious about their purpose. Like I don't remember, I don't. Re I've missed a few Wednesday night prayer meetings. My dad barely ever missed any Wednesday night prayer meetings. You talk about a man never sick, barely. And when he was sick, it was for a short time, and that was it. But you know, it was like, man, you eat that stuff. How do you eat and survive? You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, you know, our our fathers were of a different generation. And uh, but we now take on that same purpose, that same mode, that same, you know, I'm sure our kids are going to have stories about us. And, you know, but the, the reason why we have those stories, because we're in their lives, they were in our lives in any shape or form. And like you said, Joel, uh, none of our fathers are perfect. None of nobody is. You are. You aren't. I am not. Definitely. And we are definitely seeing our vulnerability throughout this grieving process. We are seeing the things that trigger us to sadness. I remember Thanksgiving, I had to leave everybody, just go be by myself for a minute, you know, just like, psh, peace. <laughs> I can't talk to anybody right now because you realize, especially the first Thanksgiving, and I'm sure, Joelle, you went through that. Orville, you went through that, like the first of everything without, you know, and, and that's the, the tough part. I'm sure, Timothy, you went through that, B-Fam. Um, I'm sure Nerva, you know, went through that. It's that first, like, oh, they're not here. However, you know, again, these memories, us sharing this, us understanding that we are vulnerable to grief. We are vulnerable to our, our own quirks, you know, our own failures and our own mistakes. And, you know, I, I don't think I've dealt with it all the way that I needed to, especially with family. And, and you know, I've had to kind of step back and say, man, was, was, was that because I'm grieving? <laughs> you know, how should I handle this? How should I cope with this? How should I deal with this? And I had, you know, and we have to just be real with ourselves. Okay, we know there's a time um, in that day, a time when we just need to step back and just be by ourselves for a minute, kind of reflect and then come back to the atmosphere because we know we can get toxic if we don't handle it. 
you know, we can be toxic with our friends and family around us if we are not coping with this. So, you know, uh, and it's okay to be vulnerable. I think with what we're learning as men today, and I'm going to do a whole podcast on this, it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to uh, be in your feelings. You know, it's just if we don't acknowledge it and we don't put a cap on it, then it'll get out of control. But I believe that, um, you know, us sharing our story will help us through. Uh, we're yeah, we're going to end. Orville, I want you to say a few words. Yeah, I was saying, man, I just remember, and I, I guess everybody's going through it at some point in the journey. I just remember I was, I don't remember, I was in, I was in Brooklyn. I was, no, I was in Queens. I was in Queens. That's where I was. I was actually speaking in Queens and, uh, um, somebody was there who, of course, you know, heard the bio, heard me. And so they knew my father and, um, you know, he'd already passed away. Um, and they came to me at the door and they said, Oh, are you such and such son? I said, yes. And they said, Oh, please give your father my number. And, and I'm at the door and I'm literally, I'm trying my best to hold it together because well, you know, this person doesn't know he passed, and I had to I had to pull myself together real quick and say, you know, I'm sorry. I let my mother know, but my father passed away. You know, blinded, and and it was just, um, and so those moments, I was in uh, these things always happen in Queens. I was in Queens another time, and um, and somebody said, oh, you know, man, if your your father should have been here today, and I, I'm just like, listen, um, you know, those things. Um, still eat away at me. So here yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable. The, the Friday, and this is part of why I don't. Um, good Friday for me is not a good Friday. Mm. Uh, I know we celebrate it across the Christian calendar as the day Jesus died, and and I celebrate that, and I I do. But in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah. In terms of the um the the contemporary Christian culture, Good Friday for me is tough. That's when my father died because it was like that Friday morning we were going to the hospice to see him. A little half an hour drive, and I had to go get something from my son at Walmart. And I went to Walmart to get it real quick. I was coming back to get my mom to go out. And as soon as she, I pulled up in the driveway and saw her face, I kind of knew what she was about to say. And so uh, I was not there when he took his last breath. And it's always been, man, what if I didn't go get that thing at Walmart? Yeah. What if I would have got there a little bit sooner? Um, man, you know. Uh, I'm so much more like my dad than I thought. Um, uh, my dad, you can't see it in the picture behind me, but like my dad, even to go outside and work in the yard was always clean. Like he was just clean. Like I, you'd see him come home from work. He worked on cars. He'd come home from work. There'd be no, 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 no oil stains or nothing. All that. He'd be so clean. The car would be clean. Like there are a couple of people on here, man, who probably remember my dad. He had this red 1972 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, yeah, the yeah. white Target top, the white leather seats. Man, <laughs> I mean, we lived on Long Island, man, and my yeah. dad would get to Sabbath school teacher's study in Brooklyn at 830. Like, that was how he was. He, he would get to church before people that lived in Brooklyn got to church. He was right. never late. And I find myself being that way today. Like, I don't like to be late. I don't like my time to be wasted. Yeah. Um, 
I do. I mean, we're in quarantine, so I'm not doing it as much. And it does have its benefits, but I like to dress. Um, you know, uh, Joel was talking about, you know, he likes TED Talks. And, man, I'm trying to get there, Joel. You got to pray for your boy. I'm trying to get there. <laughs> you got to pray for me, man. <laughs> trying to get to them things, man. I, 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 I'm below the 40-minute mark, man, but I haven't gotten to that. <laughs> I want to get to that 20-minute, Joel. You got to help your boy out. Like, I'm just, I, we're sitting here talking, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, man, there's so much stuff that I do like my dad. Yeah. Um, except, you know, I'll tell you one funny story. Except one time, man, you talk about your dad with the car, man. One time, my, my mom had bought this nice car, and my dad called himself trying to put, um, trying to do something for a road trip. And he put antifreeze in the oil thing by mistake and ruined the car. And like from that moment on, he was never allowed to touch a car a day in his life. Like he paid for the extent. It was just like, it was, and my dad knew his way around cars, but that particular day, I don't know what distracted him. He put antifreeze in the oil thing from that day. Like he, we, we always got extended warranties. We found another mechanic. Like only thing he could do was wash the car. Like you couldn't do, don't, don't touch anything. It was just, and you were talking about that thing and I'm sitting they're thinking about dad and some funny things, man. And like, I think that's what oh, yeah. helps us to cope is being able to reflect on the funny stuff that yeah, um, yeah, yeah, dad, yeah. Dad, dad did. Like, I, I remember the last time I was around your dad, and and he was asking me how my dad was doing. At that time, my dad had just fallen ill, and your dad was talking about how my dad could tell a story. And I was sitting there thinking, yeah, man, he just he would lean back in the chair and close his eyes. And he would tell this, and he would tell a story. It, you know, just so many things, right? Yeah. So, I appreciate this forum. Thanks. Um, it's lifted my day, give me a chance to kind of reflect um, on Dad. And you know, again to Joel, man, my condolences. Um, Nerva and to Tim, everybody was watching. My condolences to you. I'm I'm a little bit further in the journey. Uh, sometimes I think because of how long it's been, but man, I've learned that grief. Um, really means you're human, right? It really means you're human that you got a love for somebody. I never forget um, that uh, I was doing a funeral and some family members were crying, and one of the people said, "Oh, they're crying because they're not living right." Oh, that's the biggest fallacy <laughs> in the world. Man. That's the biggest. Fallacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your grief, your crying, your que question asking, all mean that you're human. And yeah. um, you know, while we're asking the questions. My prayer is that all of us are able to maintain our faith and our hope. And, you know, this is uh, grief. Matter of fact, my doctoral work is on grief through COVID-19. And I'm um, telling you, it's 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 a whole different That's dope. dynamic than what we've ever experienced. And, man, my prayers are with you, my support. Uh, we're all New York fam. Yeah, um, We support everybody because we realize, man, we're in this thing together. Shout out to uh, Paula, who her father, uh, Mr. Pierre Louis, passed away years ago. I was at the funeral. She said today is his birthday. So this is this is hitting home right now. And I remember him. I remember when he fell ill and I was praying. Um, and, and sometimes we have this thing of why didn't God answer my prayer? Why did God allow my father or even my mother? Why did he allow them to go? This wasn't the time. But I just want to tell everybody you're stronger than you think. And everybody does have a time. We may think it's too soon. We, all, we often hashtag gone too soon. Um, and of course, as a pastor, you have to keep saying, you know, death is not the final stop. 
Therefore, we will be re reunited again when Jesus comes. But the getting through right now is still hurts. It's still a painful, you know, experience. Joel, uh, as we're closing, I just want you to say a few things. Any any final memories? Um, and and you know, I'm going to be talking throughout this year and and through 2021. We'll be talking about you know uh, the subject. I know a guy. You know what I mean? Like if your father, you know, your father knew a guy, you know, I know my father had his mechanic in Brooklyn always, you know, he'd be hanging out there all day. Now I find myself, I found a mechanic where I am <laughs> and I'll be hanging out there talking. Um, Joel, any final memories? Um, my father believed that you could fix anything. Uh, he was a very prideful Jamaican. Um, so I, that, I, that's a given. So if he didn't know what to do, he'll go on YouTube and try to teach himself. Sometimes it was successful. Sometimes it wasn't. Um, I remember uh, this was last year. Um, and he we had to put a cabin in for um, one of the sisters from the church. And it was the fall. And I asked him. We brought it. It was heavy. And we were waiting to go. We had to bring it up uh, two flights of stairs. But we're outside. And I asked him, should I hold it? um in case the wind blows it over and he didn't say anything and i kid you 30 seconds later that thing fell over and all the glass smashed i was like wow <laughs> i, sh I should have just held on to it but now nah, we were we were we were um, getting ready to go upstairs i'm like you know the wind could literally drop this on the ground and it'll be just ruined sure enough it, it was but um yeah uh, my father he always wanted to help people um, he told me, um, like, the last couple of years, he's, he never walked around with cash in his wallet. And I do the same thing, too. It's a bad practice, but it's just yep. it's a habit. But he said he started walking around with cash because uh, there was a point he was working near downtown Brooklyn. There were so much homeless people that he would buy them food. Wow. He didn't. Yeah. He just always wanted to help people. And I've always been that way. You know my mom. We just That's just how we are. We always want. If there's a need. uh Brother or sister Wallace was there to help the, you know, how many people they've dropped home over the years from concerts and church events. Um, so, so my dad won't, uh, he won't, he won't see the further success, but the legacy that set forth, um, will continue. And, um, yeah, it'll, it'll continue to be rough. Um, I think, um, like you mentioned, Pastor Wesley, like, um, this generation or this timeline like we're more aware about being vulnerable like um and the transparency and how rewarding it is because uh so many men in past generations will hide betide their masculinity and they were like i have to be strong i have to be stern i have to be this and that i can't right. show if i show any weakness then i'm not really a man come and on that's something you gotta something i still think about like like my father, he set a good example, but there are things about what it means to men I gotta really think about. I'm like, Yeah, you wanna follow in the examples, but there are also things that you kinda wish he could have done. Like, but what does that say about him? What does that say about me? What does that say about being a man? What is it about just being a human in general? So there'll always be lessons to unpack. Absolutely. You know? So And and this was um this was Timothy's advice to you, Joel. Don't say never God has a funny way of taking you to your place of uncomfortability. 
All right. This was from what you were saying uh, earlier. That was my theme for last year. That was from what you were saying earlier. And and, and I want to say that because um, God takes you to uncomfortable places and allows you to exist there only to show how powerful he is. And I like the scripture um, where, you know, David is saying, where my father and mother forsake me, God will take care of me. Now, it's not that our fathers have forsaken us, but we know that we have a heavenly father that comes in and becomes that father role. And I just want to say to, you know, every man uh, there is is that we need to be fathers, number one, and we need our fathers. So if you have not reconciled anything with your father today, do it. I just uh, watched the post, uh, read a post from uh, a gospel artist talking about, you know, he was about to go meet with his father, did not have a chance to kind of put it off. Then his father died. And, uh, you know, he had kind of an estranged relationship with his father. He was being very vulnerable in the post and I'm praying for him. But um, it just it just shows that, you know, there is a lot of men struggling with relationships with their father. We had good relationships. But there's still a lot of men out there that are struggling uh, with relationships. So, you know, I'm hoping that somewhere along the line, there can be some healing with future relationships with fathers. Um, Joel, you know, you, you take your time to be a father. That's all I want to say. Take your time, bro. Um, take care of you. And, uh, you know, take care of you. And God's going to handle the rest. God's going to take care of you. Uh, God's going to move you to places where he wants you to be, even through these tough times. And I'm hoping this was healing for uh, people who are watching or listening. Um, this is the Anchored Voice podcast, helping men to anchor life. Why do we say anchor? Because guess what? Life hits us with all kinds of storms. But we have to be that anchor that kind of stays that stays uh, stable through it all. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, we'd love you to go over to our YouTube page and subscribe. We're looking to get to our first 1,000 subscribers on McGuire ENTV. So we're asking that you go over to YouTube and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. This is the Anchor Voice Helping Men to Anchor Life. This is season two. This is the beginning of season two. Uh, uh, there's so much more to talk about. I, I wish we can share more stories here. Our time is up, but I want to thank Pastor Orville Brissett. Uh, check him out, follow him on IG, Twitter, wherever it is. Um, OS Brissett, right? OS B R I S S E T T for those who are listening, and follow Joel. And check out his uh, his short his TED Talk podcast. See, I'm, I'm this is already an hour, and and bro, you're the next generation that's going to show us how to do it, man. And let me tell you something. There's a place for you in ministry. Uh, I I I say there's a a paid place. You know, we always think that you know ministry means being a pastor. You get hired. I think there needs to be a budget for your ministry. All right, uh, and in a conference or wherever your ministry needs to be funded and it needs to be put out there. You are the next generation. And so check Joel Wallace out at JS Wallace 242. 
J-S-W-A-L-L-A-C-E-242. Uh, follow him. And uh, shout out to my B-Fam. B-Fam means brother from a different mother. Uh, Timothy Anderson. Thank you, Nerva Altino. Check out the Altino Brothers. Um, get their album. Check them out. Oh, man. They're... Let me tell you, uh, Nerva and Robinson Altino, phenomenal musicians, phenomenal pianists. Uh, you could check out our my podcast with Nerva. Actually, we have a podcast on uh, on the same platform with the Anchored Voice uh, with Nerva. So you can you can check that out a little bit later. And uh, thank you, everybody. Love you guys, and uh, just stay anchored, everybody. All right, this is the Anchored Voice. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Two. Um, my guest, or Orville Brissett, Joel Wallace. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Anchored Voice. For the video edition of this, subscribe to our YouTube channel, McGuire ENTV. For audio, listen on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Until next time, stay anchored.